0: Views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland. As always, guys, this show is just a bit of crack, so please, no giving out.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Master Game Podcast. For you through the insights and stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts... Joe Not that Kinahan, Kinahan. And I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get down to it. So guys, another week of... uh... Football actually is another fortnight since the last game of action. The uh, the Holy Trinity is back with you once again to to just go through everything and let you know what what happened around the league and beyond.
0: Holy Trinity, I love that. That's us now. The Holy Trinity. Well, Amen. with it being I'm the Easter, Easter Easter week, yeah. I think
1: I think we you know we we we'll keep with the religious vibes going on.
0: <laughs> Amen to that. We, we do have a though, cult like,
1: following. We
2: do. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I must say that was the least enjoyable Easter I've had in a while. Just oh, yeah, like absolutely. the like just just knowing that it interrupted football put me off it immediately.
0: You know, like I, I, like I, I have I, to say, from from Singapore, I mean, like Easter isn't. It's we get Good Friday off, but it's not hugely celebrated because it's so like uh, multi-religious and multi-diverse or whatever you know. It's a, a bit of everything, a mishmash of everything here. The the bye week was a bit boring over here, to be honest. I was kind of a bit upset that there was no football because that's my thing that I follow from here. That's like my thing that I do from here. So yeah, it was quiet.
2: I think that needs to be set in stone now. I think we just play. This is, our, this is my official suggestion to the league, that we play on Easter.
1: What a better There's way nothing to celebrate God than through grown men banging into each other full force.
0: There is no better way.
1: Sus. I, think, I think the Lord would love it, personally.
2: <laughs> I mean, where, where do we go from there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you was going to be well, like... I'll
1: tell you what right? happened my Easter. What happened on my Easter. So, you know, used to have had bad Easters. I, I, my Easter on Good Friday. So I went for lunch. And when I came back, my, my kitten was missing. Couldn't find my kitten anywhere. So I called a few friends. Like she's a house cat. She's a little house cat called Matilda. Cutest sweet thing going. And she was missing. Couldn't see her. So wasn't in the house. Wasn't outside. She managed to get by me when I was leaving the front door. And I didn't realize it. So a few of the friends came over and we searched around the neighborhood. No sign of her. So I was like, right, this is, this is a disaster. Girlfriend is in absolute floods of tears. Absolutely hysteric because she's working from home. Matilda is at home as well. And like they're little work buddies. So nothing, no sign of Matilda. I go then on the Saturday searching again, Saturday, no sign of Matilda anywhere. I'd done about 20,000 steps. And I'd say I only went in sort of a, a one kilometer radius from the house. No sign. So I went to Mass to the vigil mass, the Easter vigil mass, which I may be a bit lapsed in my, you know, religious followings and, you know, religious carry on and whatnot. An hour and a half is the vigil mass. I turn up about two minutes late. I'm in walking in behind the priests. The place is in complete darkness. There's not a seat in the house for me. So I end up then standing at the back of the cathedral for an hour and a half, going through mass, you know, trying to hash out some deals with with the man above, come back to the house, you know, still no sign of Matilda. At 10 minutes past midnight on Easter Sunday, who makes a reappearance?
0: Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly, Matilda. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying, folks, all I'm saying is, You know, you ask and he delivers. You just got to stand in complete darkness in a cathedral for an hour and a half and listen to like some scripture. So I went to mass again then on the Sunday morning to give more thanks. Once again, the man above, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a joke with him. Makes me stand for another hour. All I'm saying, you just got to believe, got to believe.
2: Right right so here's here's the only counter to this now Robbie that I'll say right Okay so so like you know grand fair like Matilda came back and that is fantastic don't get me wrong that is fantastic but that did come at the sacrifice of having no games that's all I'll say
1: All I'm saying is Joe maybe if you had prayed a bit harder the Eagles would have been oh, able to oh, No no, no, I'm not
2: having it. <laughs> no, no, you you've stuck a nerve there, Mr. Caldwell.
0: Well, I'm glad that we have getting more way. death threats soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're said more death threats. Yeah, it's like, brilliant. Um, what is
1: never enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that we've we've somehow managed to find our way to the football there. I don't know how we did it, but we found our way to football. Uh even before we move on to it, I will say that we have a new distributor, guys, for this podcast. So you need to probably like again, you probably need to subscribe again wherever you are listening to it. Um, but it should be much more available to you. And that's how you do a segue, Rob. Um, so back to the to the football. <laughs> so, um, uh, for me, the standout thing from, let's say, last week So, I mean, we didn't have football last week But, but the previous week, week five uh, For me, a kind of a point of note Is that it seemed to kind of go according to the script Like, are you agreeing with me? I don't feel like we learned anything hugely surprising I feel like the the games went as, as expected uh, What are your thoughts on that, guys?
1: Absolutely Like, I don't think there was one major shock um, involved like the teams that we all thought were going to win all won. Um, the teams that, you know, were on the end of more or less an annihilation, um, they just crashed and burned. And that was that.
0: I,
2: Winking a nod there.
0: <laughs> Winking a, wink a nod, hashtag crash and burn. But um, yeah. And even speaking of um, crash and burn, I know that the Rebels themselves, I mean, we released our, our uh power rankings we had that episode just before that series of games and i know that the that we stuck with our power rankings then after that set of games nothing really changed for us here and i know that the rebels um in particular weren't too happy with that because i mean they don't have i think they have a a a point to make where they haven't had um a point scored against them and they've put up a phenomenal amount of points at this point um, whereas we still have the, the Panthers over them. And, and so for me, that, that reason is, is that, you know, they went up against the Rhinos. They were kind of expected to win that game and they were kind of expected to, to put the Rhinos away. I don't really want to be giving the Rhinos too much grief in in this episode at this point it's just not even good crack do you know what I mean abusing them this much like it's just not even fair like do you know what I mean so I'm focusing more on on the Rebels here it's kind of like if the Rebels hadn't put up the scoreline that they put up I think they would have been fairly disappointed and we all would have been a bit shocked um that's not to say that they're that didn't do fantastically but um then on the other side of things we saw the Panthers go as far as Belfast And maybe not put the Knights away as much as we would have thought that they were they were going to do it. Um, If if you could say there was an upset, maybe that was the upset. But um, the Knights did have an awful lot of their starters back. They had Spence back. So Spencer McDowell back at um, QB, which is, you know, a huge win for them. A lot of their starters back. So the Knights team that went out on that pitch, I believe, was a stronger team than what started the season and again I think that the Knights for the rest of the season are just going to be that wee bit that wee bit stronger as well we see the likes of Marty Kasky return a long-awaited return um for him and I know the Knights be grateful that he's back um so yeah kind of it's kind of a flip of a coin but for me like the power rankings are kind of staying pretty much where where they were um unfortunately for the Rebels are they're not going up based on based on their win against the rhinos even though i know that they'll strongly disagree with that. what are what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's it's a strength of schedule type thing like the knights have played two real close games now. Like i know obviously they got blown out in week 1 but like they were within 20 seconds of beating the cowboys. Um they were you know a, a touchdown away from beating the panthers. So you know they they are stronger than that original or that than that season opener made them look um but I think because of that, even though they didn't beat them by nearly as much as the rebels beat the rhinos, I think the Panthers by beating a stronger opponent, two strong opponents out of the stage in the year, maybe are like very very slightly more deserving of that second spot. I do think the rebels will climb into that at some stage though I agree. I'm not uh they they won't be in, they won't be at three for very long in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that the Rebels are are kind of the dark horse almost of, of this season. Like we probably weren't rating them as high as what um, we what they are showing themselves to be maybe at the very, very start of the season coming out of the COVID years. Well, I really get the feeling that they're very, very strong. They just haven't had the opportunity to show it yet um, mm. this year, but still remaining with the Rebels. I mean, they're coming up against the Knights this weekend um so going from a review to a preview um i feel like um this is an exciting fixture because this is probably the first time that we're gonna get a good benchmark of the teams so there's two games that are standing out to me in terms of ban- benchmarking teams and it's the rebels knights uh, which will give us a lot of information on both the rebels and the knights and then the second one is ucd and admirals you know this is uh, the first time that we're seeing the Admirals play since, what was it, week one against the Rebels.
1: Yeah, like it's going to be like, both those games are really going to sort of set a, you know, it's a possible turning point in the season already for like that entire division. Like the Perries have said, the Knights, despite that, you know, week one blowout, they have been getting closer and closer. They seem to have got their, you know, their ship together and they're, you know, moving in the right direction. So, them playing against the Rebels, if they can hold that tight, if they can even get a win, that would be sort of massive for them. It's down in Dublin, so I can't really see it going any other way than a Rebels win. But I think if they just like dig deep and just sort of stay committed to what they're doing, they really like, you know, they've shown us so far that they're not to be written off just yet. They're close, they're close, but. They still like they're still in contention for staying in this division. And then the like the UCD and the Admirals, that UCD Cowboys game, it was a lot like a lot further apart than I could predict it. I thought things were going to be a lot closer. UCD running up 40 points. Cowboys didn't just seem to get going at all. Like they only got eight on the board. And this is only the second time we're going to see the Admirals out this year, you know. UCD are on a roll and they're the kind of team that, you know, once they keep rolling and turning, they're going to be very hard to stop. The Admirals have had such a long break now between their last game and this game. I don't know if they, if they're actually going to be properly game ready. Like UCD are, you know, fully committed to what they're trying to achieve this season they're going to be very hard to stop. If I were the Admirals, I would not have wanted such a big break going into this game. It's going to be very hard for them to like hit the ground running. You know, it's up in Dublin, so that's a, a two and a half to three hour bus journey. It's it's gonna be a rough day, I think, for the Admirals. I, I don't want to have lost faith in them just yet. And I haven't. I just have so much belief in this U C D team. And I think it'd be hard to argue against them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you and I disagree with you. So the points that I disagree with you, unfortunately, when you're saying like you, you don't think the ship has sailed for the Knights, for me, I kind of do feel like the ship has sailed for them now. I think that if they were going to win, I'm not saying that they won't win a game. I think they, they will win games. I think they will um, when they come up against the likes of the Rhinos, they're, they're going to win that game. Um, but I think the Knights really needed to win that game against the Panthers. Uh, that was the game to kind of regain relevance. And they just, they made a good effort at it, but they just couldn't clinch that win. Um, The reason being that I feel like that was the game that they needed to win is because, you know, they'd lost two games, but the Panthers had really put away the Trojans uh, in kind of a, you know, what was an upset at the time. So the the Knights, if they had beaten the Panthers on that day, it just kind of would have brought them back into relevance. Whereas now they're like 0-3 and it just kind of feels a bit like, they're kind of limping. They're kind of limping to the end of this season, hoping to clinch like one or two wins that they can. But like, it's kind of not going to be a great season for the knights. And I do feel like the, the ship has kind of sailed, you know, for them now in terms of actually being competitive um in this. Go on.
1: Yeah, no, like, like I agree with you. Like, but looking at this, one or two wins is going to keep them in the division. I think we're nearly all in agreement of that at this stage. Yeah. Um. It's not going to be a situation where the knights got relegated, fought not to be relegated. You know, the league were like, okay, you're not relegated. You know, it would have been more of a disaster for them if they went and then got relegated twice in succession from the same division after fighting their case not to be relegated. So at least they have got, you know, that behind them and that, you know, they'll, they'll survive at least another year in the Premier Division.
0: Absolutely agree. Yeah, I don't see the Knights being relegated at the end of this year. So in a sense, I mean, that is uh, like, uh, in one sense, that's a successful season because they had been relegated and they have proven that um, they are a Premier a premier team. Um, then the, the other point that uh, you were on about ucd and admirals i agree with you on that one i believe in in ucd uh coming into this fixture purely as you've said like they're just on a roll they're on fire at the minute they're putting up silly scores and they're doing it with such a depth of roster as well i mean the amount of rookies that they're getting blooded as they're putting up these silly scores they had like what a 50 bomb and a 40 bomb in their games like it's just been it's been silly stuff from ucd um but I don't I don't think it's it's gonna be a rollover. Uh I feel like the the rebels are maintaining that the Admirals are are much better than the 20-0 scoreline uh, from their from their first fixture. You know, they've been kind of adamant that the admirals are actually quite a good team and that the score didn't didn't do them justice. And so we'll kind of getting an idea of the Admirals in this season as they come up against UCD. I think it'll be a very good uh indicator of a game.
2: Yeah, I mean Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Admirals. Like, again, if the Rebels are saying they're a better team than the 20 0 scoreline showed, then fair enough. But, you know, even if that is the case, even if they are, you know, like a a good team, I just feel like when you're coming up against a team that, like, what do UCD have? Like an 88 point difference or something like that after three games? Like something stupid. It
0: is silly. And you haven't,
2: yeah, like you haven't played a game in a month. And you didn't put up a single point in that game. I just, I don't see how they turn that into a win. And even if you want to say like, oh, well, they've had a month to prepare for UCD. Like they weren't like, they didn't have a chance to scout the game UCD had with the Trojans because they were playing that day. So unless they were at the UCD Knights game, they didn't have a chance to look at them. So it's not even that you could even argue that they could prepare for something that UCD do particularly well. Like they haven't had the chance to look at them. So I just think that, you know, coming off a a scoreless loss, having to wait a month for the next game and it's against the number one seed in the league, I just don't, I don't see how the Admirals come out of this one with a win. They could be competitive, but I don't see them, I don't see them winning. Yeah,
0: so you think that UCD are going to Sink the admiral's ship. Wait. Ah, there's
2: the, there's the pun. Um,
0: <laughs> what, what do you what do you think? Do yeah. you think it's going to be a competitive fixture, or you think that UCd are going to win this pretty handy?
2: I think. Um, uh see, I don't want to sound. I don't want to sound like demeaning because, like, the admirals, like again, the admirals have always been, uh, especially the last kind of four or three four seasons that actually happened. They've been good and like they were undefeated, I think, or only had one loss going into 2019 playoffs. Like they're a good team, but like, I think if they can keep this within two scores, you know, fair play. Because again, with the lack of momentum you have and the complete, like the overwhelming amount of momentum UCD have, like if you can keep that as tight as possible, you know, fair play.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those, like the Admirals are are traditionally a a defense first team, Um, but UCD are so balanced with their offense. Like, you know, they're so strong um, in terms of like uh, passing, receiving touchdowns and running touchdowns. And it's just so hard to defend when you're coming up with a team that doesn't seem to have a preference. So, you know, UCD is not a run first offense and it's not a pass first offense. It's literally 50-50. So that just, I think, keeps your defense quite honest. They can't really commit um to blitz them uh, if if they always have to worry about the aerial attack.
1: Does it sound like a unanimous UCD from the three amigos?
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Um, Something now just to move on from Joe on about how you know UCD have been on an absolute scoring roll and it's just, you know, putting up silly numbers. Did anyone get the chance to look at the score from the Crusaders Vikings game? Yeah, that was stupid. What, <laughs> what happened, the happened there? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I when I looked at it, I was like, no, this has to be some sort of a typo. These aren't, you know, AFI scores. This doesn't happen in this league. 3947. Like Kelly as the as the UL insider, what was going on there?
0: Uh, honestly like I don't I don't think anybody knew I heard that game was so exciting because I mean if you were a spectator and you're running up and down the pitch you're doing as much running as anybody else in that game it just seemed to be a complete blowout kind of over back over back one thing um that I will say is that uh it's fantastic to see the emergence of the young QB that is uh Kieran or Kieran Gilhul so Kieran has been following the Vikings since he was a young lad like a small wee fella at games I can remember him he's 18 now and uh he took kind of his first starting uh starting snap on on the pitch and scored I think two touchdowns on the Crusaders and the Crusaders as well as we know like we've we've called them the team that everybody loves to hate because they know how to get into teams heads and they particularly know how to get into the head of a of a of a quarterback, especially a young quarterback who's been waiting a long time to get on that pitch. That just seems like like a, a very easy target for them. And I think they were poking a wee bit of fun at the size of them in good jest. I don't think there, it was taken um badly. It's all part of the sport, you know, but um I think that in fairness to Kieran, he kind of took that as fuel and uh was the QB that clinched them clinched uh, the Vikings the win on on his first uh competitive kitted game. So uh, you love to see it.
1: Like they had an absolute day out there. Just both teams just appeared to seem to have forgotten how to defend, and mm-hmm. just like offense all the way. Like I'm, yeah. I'm all for it, but like craziness. You say that, to... Robbie, but there, there was a,
2: there was five turnovers on the day as well. Like it wasn't that the defense just kind of sat down and was like, yeah, just you know touchdowns. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Like it was like was there three interceptions by UL. Uh, I'm just trying to. Sorry, here's me looking through the um my game stats, stats uh, spreadsheet that we have, and that's a little reminder for clubs: make sure you're sending in your um stat reports after games, please and thank you. Uh, I love you all forever, but uh, yeah, there was three interceptions by UL. Um, the Crusaders had two fumble recoveries. Like it wasn't that it was just like, oh, sure, the offense are just gonna go down and score. Like there was like it was a really well fought game. Yeah. And I I I just came out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't never expect it in my wildest dreams to see like a Chiefs Rams or Chiefs bills style game in Ireland, but there you go. And you'd have never expected it from Division One as well. So honestly, fair play, boys, for, for making us look good down here in, in the middle room. We can play like football it's too. A,
1: it's quite a pity that like, you know, more games aren't recorded and that we don't have more video footage. Because this yeah. is something I would have loved to have seen. Like, if, if every team had a VO cam the way the, uh, the Vipers do, and yeah. just stick that up before your game, stick it, you know, that it streams straight to YouTube, you know, it also saves it then. You can go back and watch this game. This would be a great way to spend your Sunday afternoon.
0: Oh, I think, like, I think, think, of, well. think
1: of all the highlights that were missed from this game.
0: There must have been so many. Yeah. But where do they like, find the time? Like, where do both teams find the time to score so much? And then I also think it's just a fantastic kind of change of pace almost because I, uh, before that, the Vikings had, what, like, collectively scored, was it 12 points in the season over yeah. over all their previous games? And the next thing, they just, like, explode in this game where they score. Like, how many points did they have on that? It was something ridiculous anyway. 47. 47. 47. 47 points like i mean it just kind of came out of nowhere it's like the offense wasn't really scoring that much in the previous games the next thing all the scores
2: yeah we love that we, we love uh, we love division one football showing up
1: and then yeah. i suppose we, we, we can move on then from that game to sort of the other end of the spectrum You know, I'm pretty sure if you listen back to the previous episode, a certain quarterback uh, promises that he'd drop a 50-burger. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Mr. Kenahan, care to take us through the uh, Minotaur's Vipers game?
2: Uh, So, Division 2 football this week, um, (laughs) we see. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we started well. We were on a roll on offense. Kind of first two drives, we were moving the ball really well. And then... I don't know if it was just football gods not letting us move the ball. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll be upfront and honest, and I've, I've said the same thing to the team. Like I didn't have, I didn't have nearly my best day on the field. Um, you know, a couple, couple weary passes, and just like fluke, you know, like anyway, I, I I'm not going to say fluke. In fairness, to the Vipers, the Vipers had a really stout defense. Like they held the Crusaders, who put up. Thirty nine points there Sunday, they held them to 12 points at home. Um, they held the Trinity offense to six points. Um, you know, they played really physical, and um you know, I say we started we started very well um, early on. Um, but they adjusted on defense and they made some changes that, um, that really you know made a difference and, and kind of stopped us kind of in our tracks. Um but yeah again it, like <laughs> like our defense has always been um a strength of our team. Uh Peter Dempsey and Niall Folan, a cornerback in free safety, came up with two picks each. And um, we had a fumble recovery, like like our, our defense um as it was in the Philadelphia Blue Flame game, like our defense there was was phenomenal. Um and again put up a Put up a goose egg, which is which is always helpful when you're the quarterback and you know, okay, well, I at least I don't have to score forty-seven points in this game. Um, but yeah, you know, again, in fairness to the Vipers, we're we're looking forward to to um, playing them up in Derry because uh, yeah, it's a game we 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 liked, you know, we 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 loved being out there and being physical. Um, and you know, they're they're a good crack at the end of the day. Like you'll hate each other for three hours, and then as soon as that full time whistle blows, it's all you know. It's all a bit of banter from there, like so. But yeah, yeah it was a close think, game. Um, I, I think we should be number two, and uh, I had argued that on the podcast before. Um, <laughs> but officially now we are number two.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, you're officially you are you're number two, and I think that uh division two is again it remains to be that spicy V division because you have got the three teams at the top there, which is yourselves, um, the Vipers and uh, Trinity, um. It's an interesting one because obviously like the game that you had against Vipers wasn't a blowout. They'll have learned an awful lot from that game. And so, you know, you just don't know how that, um how you're going to meet again in the future. Same with you though. You'll have learned an awful lot and um you'll probably be ready for them by the time you meet Trinity at the minute is, is number one seed in the division, but uh, I've heard that Trinity is actually uh, struggling for numbers a small bit, even though they have yet to concede a point um against them. They apparently only had maybe one or two more players than the Eagles did have in their fixture against the Eagles um, there at week on week five. So you know maybe a few concerns over the health of that of that Trinity team, though they do seem to be um, staying at that number one seed. So it's an interesting one because at this moment, that's the division that I, I really would feel the least comfortable in in trying to pick a, an outright winner.
1: Yeah, it's like when you hear news like that that Trinity are struggling for numbers and it's only April, usually that's something that doesn't happen to till sort of May June part of the season. You've already had the Eagles pull out of a game. If Trinity numbers are going down, that is worrying. It's the kind of thing that you really don't like to see or hear in this in this league at all. When you start hearing about teams struggling with numbers, it does start to worry you. Trinity, they have so many good players. They're so, like, we've seen it throughout the years where they have great players, you know, in Kitted, and Flag, they just need to keep them all together and just actually complete a season. Like There's no reason why they shouldn't be back. You know, they've played Premier Division football for year upon year and it's really just been sort of player retention at the end of the day that has let them down time and time again. And I really, like, I hope that come come the end of the year that they are up there battling against the likes of Joe and the Vipers and that they don't kind of just fall by the wayside over the summer months.
0: Yeah, hope so too. On that solemn note then, um, I think we can do quick predictions for this weekend just to kind of to clarify that we'll move on to the next one so for me my winners are the Rebels over the Knights Panthers over the Rhinos UCD over the Admirals I'm going to go Giants over Pirates and then unfortunately the Mavericks and the Razorbacks game isn't going ahead uh, Rob, Joe what a year quick predictions on on this game week 6
2: uh, I can't really argue with anything there uh,
1: let me just try and look through the list here now Giants, Uh, Panthers, UCD, Rebels, yeah, like that's that's the way it's going. I like. I know you can't actually bet on AFI Sports. Like, why? Why? Aiden, that's the next thing we need to sort out. We
2: need. We need a. That's a governance
1: (laughs) issue, but you know
2: we need a sports uh, betting partnership with uh, Fandu. If we tell you what, right? I know this is a completely different. This is a complete. Uh, aside um, but if we had like um like a partnership again a partnership with something like that like that's a bit of funding that to add, help teams getting you know like keep numbers together with all of the hundreds of thousands of, of, of euro that would be being gambled on aFI games yeah definitely hundreds of thousands yeah. of euro definitely not like' like,
0: <laughs> tell you is, like the podcast is all a ruse. like this is just an intro to I was starting up our new betting business called the domestic game, and uh, this is exactly how I wanted to announce it.
1: <laughs> Opening up, yeah,
2: precisely 22 days late for April Fool's. fools unfortunately,
1: <laughs> run the money through uh accounts in Singapore, you
2: know, offshore no accounts bad. and everything. Oh, that's where we're in it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's just been two years in the making, but we're finally we're finally there. We're finally ready for. Uh, this AFA. is, by
2: the way, an AFI associated podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we can probably move on then to the games after this. So week seven, which will be uh, Belfast and Trojans and Rhinos and Cowboys. And then in Division 1, we have Crusaders and the Eagles. So how are we feeling about these upcoming fixtures and what do we think we're going to learn about them?
1: These are our May 1st fixtures?
2: Yep.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure you've you've skipped a a very important game there, which is the Mavericks uh, heading down to Hoth to take on the Pirates.
0: Oh, come here! The Mavericks are going to win that game. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just one of those Mavericks are just beating everyone at this stage. It's not even fun. You just can't even be enjoying this season.
1: Um, no, I we they really are. Mavericks are like enjoying the season, disappointed they're not having a game this week. But I think as a division, that division is kind of over. So we will we'll go we'll go straight in at the premier at the premier division, the Trojans versus the Rebels, which I. I'm going to put out there as you know it's the do or die game for the Trojans this year you know Big T have told me not to write them off just yet I've had faith in them since the beginning this is the time where I need them not to let me down it's going to be a hard game coming up against the Rebels down in Dublin like if if they lose this game I do think it is sort of Season ending for them For having any sort of Championship hopes
0: Yeah I agree with you. And they've, and they've so much To worry about there Like I mean uh, We see like Ty Henry is starting To go off now At QB We've been talking about the, Him on this podcast For a good wee while So it's good to see him Kind of Fulfilling that That potential They have wide receiver Greg Johnson Which is such Like a huge threat Kind of over the top There that not need to worry Kenny any McCarthy
1: long. Conrad Cook you know, you've got um, sunshine twenty, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like the list, the list for the rebels just goes on, and on and on. Like at this stage, like most of those players have become household names. You know who they are. You know what they look like. You probably follow them on Instagram, and they probably don't follow you back. It's it's just where we are in society at the minute. Like like, if the Trojans can't take the win out of this game, which Going on how the season's been going so far is very unlikely. Their season is going to be more or less over. They need to secure the win in that in that May first fixture. It's yeah. simple as.
0: that's expert jokey. Uh, do you agree with Rob saying Trojans basically will be down and out if they don't if they don't win this one against the the Rebels?
2: Uh, yeah, if they don't win, I mean, what they'd be would it be zero three or zero and four this stage. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to come back from that, really, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, they'll be 0 3. I don't see anywhere else down the schedule. Like, I mean, they might get lucky and scrape themselves into fourth, but it really is. Like, they really do need to win this game. And the fact that they're away and the fact that the Rebels are rolling, Ty Henry is going off, it's going to be. I mean I'll be at it, I hope cuz I think that might be that might be the game I'm most looking forward to apart from like my own for the next like for the next month and a half maybe like that's the one that I've got like I really love to go and see that game like the rebels know how much that means to them like if they're able to start the season they'd be what 4-0 They'd be up there with uh, if you know if we're predicting the, the well, currently then.
1: currently the rebels are sitting at two and so if they get that win now this weekend, this weekend
2: yeah. yeah
1: that's gonna put them three and and then yeah if they get that win then the following weekend four and like yeah. that puts them in such such a commanding position
2: I think like that game means so much to both teams um. I also like again I think the rebels know that if they if they go ahead and, and if they lose that game and then they've 3 weeks off thinking about you know having that loss in the back of their mind. Uh yeah. It's going to be a great game anyway, I'll tell you that much. I um yeah, I'll be looking forward to it for sure. I think the rebels might scrape. Well, I don't want to say scrape it out, but it'll be a really hard fought maybe, like, one score win for the Rebels, I think.
1: Yeah. I know the Trojans have, like, quite a few people out injured at the minute after the previous yes. game. If they can come back in time, that would be a, a big help for them. <clears throat> it's like, how many key players can you lose and still be competitive? That's that's a, a massive question. Like, only the Trojans can answer that one. Like... If if they can't get back some some of their starters come next weekend, it's it, it could end up being a bit of a bloodbath.
2: Yeah, and I think with all the um, kind of trouble they've had in the defensive backfield, like you know, Ian Cahill put up the four or five touchdowns on them. You know, Ty Henry is capable of putting up the same numbers, very similar numbers. You know, they've had what a month or three weeks. Well, they will have had three or four weeks now to hopefully show up that much, show up that backfield as much as possible. But like, it, it's a it's a weakness going into the game, and the rebels' strength at the moment is their pass game, or at least with Ty Henry there anyway. So, yeah. I think that's the matchup that they'll be looking to exploit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's good insight actually on that. Um, you know, for me, do I see the rebels going four and zero on that? It's a tough one to call because the third game is usually where the Trojans actually start to get it together. That's usually in the season where they begin to 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 hit their stride. I just feel like this year it's going to be two games too late to be hitting a stride. And I do I do see the Rebels going four know uh and I see them like definitely moving up to second string, maybe even uh, or to second seed, maybe even moving right up to that first seed. I, I really think that this this league could come down to the Rebels in UCD at this point. Uh, we touched on the Panthers, and it was something that I wanted to say before, where we spoke about teams like the Knights um, kind of getting stronger um, from game to game to game. The Panthers, for me, are one that I'm afraid that they may have gotten a wee bit weaker after the last game because they had some significant injuries um, with Ben and Ruligan getting injured, and again, uh, Ray Burke getting injured. So just don't know how long they're going to be out, but takes out huge two huge threats uh, both on the ground and um, and in, in the passing games. so it's one of those where uh, it's an interesting it's an interest Premier League this year. like I kind of I do see the rebels going going for, and I kind of feel like at this point it's really UCG and, and the rebels that are kind of gonna move, I feel like to the to the top of, of that league pretty pretty quickly
1: yeah like they've they've both kind of set their stall out of like what the type of team they are, um both very efficient on the ground, very efficient through the air like I'm really excited like it's it's you're waiting so long like their game against each other between u c d and the rebels isn't for so much later in the season. It's like everything's kind of nearly gonna be building up to that game. uh I know one of them's playing the Panthers in between. That's gonna, you know, add a little bit of extra heat to the fire. So I think we nearly have like sort of the three teams in that division that have kind of like already raised themselves to the next bar. And it's gonna be just just, just seeing how the whole dynamic of each of those teams going against each other plays out is gonna be like leave things very, very interesting. With Ben and Ray Burke currently out, you question, you know, like the two massive parts of the Panthers game. We've seen Ben out doing photo shoots, though, during the week. Like, the man was jumping into the sky like nothing ordinary, uh, diving around, smiling for the camera. He didn't seem to be too hurt, in my opinion. So, that stuff like that, I can only take as a positive. As for Ray, um, Kelly, you're probably the better insider on, on that track. You know, if he can come back as well, things like things there's enough time for them to get back back in action, back in the game, back killed. Um I wouldn't take it as anything too serious just yet.
0: Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting. Yeah, I agree with you that it's kind of uh the, the three top top spots are kind of convincing there. And then that fourth spot I think will be will be uh, you know, it's the Cowboys, Trojans, and Admirals, and at this stage, you couldn't really, you couldn't really say which one is going to make it, scrape it through um, into that final fourth spot. So that's bound to be competitive. Um, but we're kind of getting a wee bit ahead of ourselves as well because um, we also have a game week seven: the Rhinos and the Cowboys. For me, this isn't the most. Interesting game. I feel like you know the Cowboys put what was it like thirty five points up on the Rhinos before. I think they're going to do something similar um, in in this game coming up on on May
1: first. Yeah, there's nothing from that game that you know screams "Come to Castle Knock and watch me."
0: And then the other game on May first is uh, the Crusaders and the Eagles. Um, so for me, I'm I'm gonna find it difficult not to go with the Crusaders, given that even though they lost against um, the Vikings, they certainly showed themselves as being a team fully capable of scoring. Uh, so you know, Crusaders versus Eagles, I'm I'm gonna go with the Crusaders on that one.
1: Yeah, like as the bad boys of AFI, Kelly, we knew that's who you were going to be chasing.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's Can just. It- yeah, uh I mean you all know how I feel about the Eagles. I in fairness to the Eagles, like they 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 didn't get completely demolished by Trinity, which is kind of what I expected. I expected a kind of UCD Knights Rebels Rhinos type scoreline there if I'm being honest. So they did at least keep it kind of, you know, somewhat respectable. Um yeah, I just again with with Crusaders putting up 39 points there last week it's hard not or you know the last game week, it's hard not to think that they'd do something similar to to the Eagles like, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like they've set a, like the Crusaders have basically set a benchmark for how many points that they can put up at home against what a team in UL that, you know, we were actually quite you know intrigued by of how they'd played. A team like you had, who had actually quite a good defensive record going into that game. If the Crusaders are putting up 39 against a team that prior to that was, you know, been very, basically very, very strong on defense. And now they're going up against a team who haven't been, you know, in any way sort of proficient on offense whose defense has you know let in quite a few points a few scores like the crusaders will crusaders will be eyeing this game up as sort of they should be looking to like just romp home with the victory here like they they have capabilities to put up high scores against good defenses eagles they haven't been blown out of the waters by any means but they're gonna be like an average team they pulled out against Joe you know, they've lost their other games. Crusaders really should just get an early stranglehold on this game and just, just keep going. And after losing, like, there's only one score in that game against UL. Like, the Crusaders aren't going to let something like that happen. They're they're going to have to put a mark down and show this is our home. We're not just going to defend it. We're going to send everyone else home, you know, with scores against them that are up in the high 30s, that kind of a way they have the capabilities to do it it's literally just a matter of executing it
0: yeah yeah it's uh joe is your next scheduled game against the the eagles uh
2: it is indeed the next scheduled game
0: how are you feeling about it
2: um i mean i i don't know what you want me to say <laughs> there's no there's no, <laughs> no way i can answer this unbiased yeah yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like okay, right? I think the Eagles will come in and surprise us and beat us by six points. Is that is that what you wanted to hear?
0: <laughs> no, that's not it at all. Uh, what I more so meant was obviously you know they they um had to forfeit against against you the 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 first. Scheduled game, and then I feel like that kind of really knocked you because there was something about it where you know you found out on game day that this game wasn't going to go ahead, and use all the prep done, and you know everything was kind of set to go, and it does kind of mess messes up a bit. And then you know you went out against the the Vipers, and uh, although you won, it's like you didn't feel like you really hit your stride. You know what I mean? You didn't feel like you had the game that you wanted to have, and now you're coming up against the Eagles again. I'm just wondering, is there a bit of nerves? going into that, that either the game won't be fulfilled or that, you know, it could kind of knock you when you're probably at a point where you just want to play the next game. Do you know what I mean? Especially after the Vipers, you probably just want another day out on the pitch.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially after losing the game already, we kind of want to just make sure that we can get as many good, you know, as many reps on the field as possible. And again, I hate to knock a team publicly, but like, When you're going, when you're looking forward at your schedule and thinking, "Oh, you know, we don't know if this game is going to happen," like, you know, it shouldn't be like that. The way the way we've kind of, the way we've looked at it is, we lost points. uh, You know, we, we lost points scored. Um, when we got given the forfeit win against the Eagles, uh, we didn't put up as many points as we had hoped against the Vipers. So we're looking at this game thinking okay well we've got to claim all these points back like like we we kind of have a you know we kind of thought okay we should be putting up you know at least 30 35 points against the Eagles and that game didn't happen and we thought okay against the vipers you know we should still be looking to score at least three or four touchdowns that didn't happen so we're looking at this game on fifteenth of May, Jesus, still a month away. Nah, <laughs> hey, and that's I what, hate that's this. That's what I schedule. mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean by yeah. I Can I can see how it could, you know, it, there's a mental game that you're playing there at the minute.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like again, it's it, I, we're looking at this as a good chance to to get back on track. And again, as I said, we we're, at the moment we're looking at the schedule and we're only seeing uh, forty three points scored. Um, you know. We want to be going into the, this next game saying, OK, well, we put up, you know, 40 points because we, we're looking at this now. We're we're behind schedule on offense. So we want to get back on schedule.
0: Yeah. OK, thank you for that. Yeah, I was, I was wondering because I saw that and I was kind of was, that was literally the question I had. I was wondering what was going on uh, in the minds of the Minotaurs with that game upcoming. Yeah. Um, But going back then to the May 1st, we still have uh, two division two games. So we have the Razorbacks and the Jets and then the Pirates and the Mavericks. Uh, As we said, we're not going to give the Mavericks too much attention now um, in their fixture against the Pirates. But then the Razorbacks, Jets, one which I think could be uh, an interesting one. Unfortunately, the Razorbacks unable to fill their fixture um, this weekend due to a COVID outbreak on the team. Um which I is mental.
1: I think that's mental. Like like COVID's still a thing. I
2: know. What believe it or not? Believe it or not, what? it is.
1: <laughs> but like we had two years of it and then we got a world war. Like COVID's gone. <laughs> like the pandemic's over. <laughs>
2: Easter took enough football away office. from us. We pull don't need another COVID him.
0: outbreak here. Yeah, it's like pull him in in some sort of government role where he's writing policies, public policies, or or it's yeah, but like, 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 like surely sense,
1: like like I'm, like I don't even know. Like, what are is there is there any regulations regarding COVID anymore? Do you isolate if you're vaccinated? Like, I feel like everything is just sitting. We won't go down this wormhole. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this podcast nice has been demonetized.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice save.
1: Let the kids play sport. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, like it's, it's just it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting. I'm going to just leave it at that. It's interesting.
2: interesting. You now you know how I feel when the the, the Eagles forfeited. Now yep. it's like oh I've lost the game. Uh, in fairness, um, I don't know how much. I mean, I'll say it because it's kind of in the plan at the moment. What I've what I've been told, sources tell me there's I uh, put my Ian Rappaport voice on, um, sources tell me that there could be a reschedule for that game on May eighth, which would mean that we actually gain a week of football because uh, there's currently no game scheduled for the eighth. Yep. Um, yeah, I no know. Game. I know the uh, Wolfhounds. Uh, camp is uh, scheduled for then, the 7th and 8th, um, uh, for the kitted football, I should say. Um, so I don't know what the, the story is with that, whether the league is going to accept that or not.
1: I, I think um, it, it possibly opens up quite a few issues in that if the Eagles were then, are, are they now looking back as a like, why didn't we just say we had a COVID outbreak on the team? And then them have not, had to forfeit and then the game to be moved Um, you know I'm not encouraging dishonesty but like there's all these sort of other issues that like revolve around games being moved because of different things and like if what, what happens now like I know that many players had booked off this Sunday to play the game what happens now if May 8th is suggested and it's like well, no, we can't actually have... Mavericks can't have players because, you know, everyone had booked off this weekend. We've too many people working, this and that. Like, when you get into the whole issue of rescheduling fixtures, things can get very murky and and difficult.
2: Well, I believe... I could be wrong here, Kelly. You might be able to shed a bit more light in it than I would, but if if you couldn't fulfill a proposed date it'd be on the team that originally couldn't fulfill the fixture so they would uh you know in uh what would be the word i'm looking for after the fact if it came to be that a game couldn't be rescheduled then it would be changed to a forfeit from the razorbacks
0: yeah it's um the teams have to agree they have to agree to the date you know, so that I don't there's no as as far as I know, there's no forcing teams into a date because uh the schedule is sent out, the schedule is agreed, and um then once it's agreed it kind of becomes law or whatever and you, you have to fulfill it. I don't know what happens. Um you know, I personally personally two- I hope the
1: game goes ahead uh, even yeah. if it's a refix date. Um and I know the players themselves, they want it want it to be refixed. Uh, they like no one wants to lose a game to a forfeit, or no one wants to win a game by a forfeit. You yeah. would much prefer to have a game rescheduled. Um, so hopefully both teams can actually come to some kind of an agreement. Uh, whether it be the following week, which might be a bit you know short notice for for people, or later on in the season if they can find a, a slot that works. What I know, like I know, players on both sets of teams were really up for this game, so. It would be, uh, very, very much. I'd say, like, you know, approved by players to like have the game happen at some point, because everyone just wants to play football. Simple, simple as.
0: Yeah, and we've been long enough, long enough without it. Um, but the Razorbacks and the Jets <laughs> on May first. How are we feeling about that fixture?
2: Well, I know Robbie isn't rooting for the Razorbacks now, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> although will you because I mean you could probably afford to have the Jets pick up a loss or two like we're going to get into the whole gamesmanship of it
1: no like 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 as we've said like the the Razorbacks have like many a Lions player on them um, and the Lions are a team that I, I've got on really well with over the years since it started um, the Jets as well it's a good few players there we should be quite friendly with so from from an overall point of view, like just hopefully that the game goes ahead. Um, I don't think the Mavericks at this stage or at any stage throughout the season are actually looking to the results from any other fixtures within the division. And it's kind of just within the camp. From even talking to them, it's it's kind of the mentality that here stick out against us, whoever you want on that pitch, line them up, and we'll just knock them all out of the park. It's as simple as. Yeah. Okay. So with that Are being said,
2: would it? you feel confident going into the Pirates game?
1: <laughs> like, unfortunately, like myself, I uh, won't be available for the Pirates game as I will be uh, in an unnamed European country on a stag doing unknown things. Um, all legal, my dear. I
2: feel like when you have to say it's all legal, it probably isn't.
1: Yeah. Different different countries have different laws, and you shouldn't judge for <laughs> that. But anyway, the Jets
0: and the Razorbacks
2: <laughs> I'm slowly back on track here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Jet, Jets
1: Jets, and the Jets Razorbacks I think I think at this stage, uh, like the Jet or the Razorbacks are actually sitting in second position in the league, um, and that's just purely they've got a, a better points differential than the Jets. Coming up, if we actually had this game this weekend, you would sort of get kind of a a better idea of who's ahead, you know, will be the Jets or the Razorbacks. Um, From from what I've seen from the the Donahue Group Invitational Cup and then even the game between the Mavericks and the Jets, like the Jets aren't a team to be just, you know, like they're not going to just roll over for you. They have some quality players Outside linebackers, pretty good. Um, then, you know, like we said, the Razorbacks, I, I supported them at the start of the season for for when I found out about the, uh, the Lions players coming over. It's, it's, it's going to be a close game, I feel. Uh, if Suntan is back in at running back, that would be interesting to see how he fares. He's quite a big-bodied man, difficult to take down. I just want the Jets to pass the ball. I want the jets to pass the ball. Like we said this on, on the previous show, sometimes at the lower division teams are so run heavy and that when it's the game gets beyond them and then they start trying to pass the ball. Like from what I've seen, they have the ability to move the ball through the air and they, they should do that. Like, you know, just because we're they're they're in the lower division doesn't mean, you know, don't air the ball out. You're coming up against teams who are roughly of a near enough caliber as yourself. You know, you're not going to be coming up against uh, five-time winning Shamrock Bowl cornerbacks. Throw the ball.
0: Yeah. Throw the ball, uh,
1: put it up there. Make a receiver uh, or tight end, make a play.
0: And I, I agree with you completely and I agree with you in the disparity we see that in the even in the touchdown scores where the, the Premier League is has actually migrated uh, traditionally like all uh, football in Ireland was run first you know let's say at the start of this decade and in the previous decade um, was it was run first offences whereas Now we're seeing actually our offences move towards being passing first offences in the Premier League. And most of the touchdowns so far this year have been passing, receiving touchdowns. Whereas then you move to, uh, you know, we say lower divisions, but uh, AFI two and AFI one, which is just all the other divisions uh, where the majority of touchdowns are coming from, from the ground, we're not seeing the same number of um, pass and receiving touchdowns. And that's just, I suppose development of the sport and uh, I'm sure that they will eventually follow suit um for, you know, uh, the way that the premier the premier football has has done. But I just and think the thing, the, the thing is interest interesting evolution of the sport.
1: It it is an interesting evolution, Kelly, but there's also the thing is most of the lower division teams on defense are set up to play against other run heavy teams.
0: Yep, I agree. Yeah.
1: And yeah. you start airing the ball out. You're gonna you're gonna see teams, you know, like some teams are playing with nine men in the box. Yeah. It's, if you start throwing the ball, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to bring people out of there. You're gonna to have to sort of spread the defense, and that in turn is gonna allow you to actually have a run game. You know, it's it got to the stage where, unless you've got the likes of Brendan Sims or Dan Finley or Jerry Lawless, who just seem to be absolute freaks. At running back there for the Mavericks, it just gets so crowded in at at that O line, and that nothing, nothing happens. There's there's no real progression. You know, maybe you might get a someone who just ends up bouncing to the outside and around, but it's just like teams need to learn to air the ball out. Like there is quarterbacks in this league, there is quarterbacks in Division One. Throw the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the Jets have one of those quarterbacks, so uh, he probably will. Uh, Scott McLean is his name, and yeah, I think that um, hopefully we will see a lot more passing from them like in that um, game
1: where the Jets started really getting yards, not just from Scott throwing. It wasn't like it wasn't throwing deep, exploiting the middle of the field in between the two middle linebackers for the Mavericks, who were playing maybe seven yards off, and. They were getting the ball. I think he was their number eighty-three, the tight end, hitting him five yards deep. He was getting the ball. He was a big man. He was getting an extra five yards after after the catch, at least. Stuff like that really, you know, gave them a bit the momentum. And you know, it could have, if it had been done earlier, there would have been, you know, the potential for quite the momentum shift in that game. But they stuck to the run game. And as a result, the Mavericks just dug deep and and held on and grinded out and got that win. Um
2: yeah, but Robbie, you were on about the kind of progression and getting back into sort of or encouraging teams to get more into passing game. Like the kind of cop out for it is that there's no um, you know, they don't feel they have the the quarterback to be able to run these kind of pass happy spread offenses. But at the end of the day your your quarterback's not going to develop and your offensive line isn't going to develop their pass sets if you're not running pass plays. I think if, um, again, as you said, the more um, teams in, in lower divisions kind of lean into that pass game a bit more, the more, and again, we've seen it in the Premier Division, Kelly, you pointed out, that all the, the teams that are succeeding at the moment are, are all teams with packs that, that we know and that we're able, the teams are able to rely on. And that's only because they've been constantly repping that and constantly showing that in games and in practice. So I think when, not, not to move away from the run game, obviously the run game is so important because both things set up each other. If you're only passing, teams know not to be stacking the box with seven, eight, nine players. The counter of that as well, that if you're only running the ball, teams know that, okay, well, throw everybody in there. They're not going to get passed, so. The more the more football or the more balanced football becomes in, in the kind of lower divisions in Division One, Division Two. The better the product for for anybody in attendance, the, the better the the quality of players that the Wolfhounds flag and kid have to choose from. The better the game gets here in general and the, the more shite that we get to talk on here as well. So, <laughs> give us basically coaches. Coaches, please give us content. That's what we're saying. <laughs>
0: yeah. Agree, agree. Um, so where we started with that was Rob. You were saying you have the Jets. As long as the Jets are, are passing the ball over the the Razorbacks, uh, Joe. Who do you have?
2: Uh, yeah, it's hard not to go with the Jets there. I think. Um, I I think it'll be another close game though. Like again, we we've said about these the 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 Razorbacks and having the few uh, Belfast City Lions come in, and you know those are some really good skill players that will impact the game if you let them. Um, I know obviously they only put eight points on the board there, but you know they only conceded two scores themselves, and I think if they can, you know you know if, with with more time training together, obviously they won't be training together this week with the COVID outbreak, but. Um. Yeah, I feel again moving forward. Again, maybe not this year, but maybe next year the Razorbacks will be building something really strong. I just think the Jets are a step, a step or two ahead of them. Yeah. And again, like Robbie said, the Donny what you saw from the Donahue Cup, the Jets are at the moment anyway the the, the stronger team. Yep,
0: yeah, I agree. I think that the Jets are going to get it done, but at the same time, I'd love to see the Razorbacks do it. I really want the Razorbacks to kind of, to start seeing the fruition of these changes that they have. And I'd love to see that happen this season. But in that game, I would, I would be going with the Jets. Um, It's sad to be going that way, but that's how it is. Um, So on that, does do either of you have anything else to add? Because that brings us to the end of the next two weeks of football. The next round of games thing after that isn't until is it the the 15th of May and we'll surely get another um, recording in before that. So is there anything else that you want to say on that? I don't think we have any games on what, the the 7th, 8th.
2: Yeah, well, again, depending on what happens with this um, Mavericks-Razorbacks reschedule, true, we might have true. a game. But um, true. I, think, I think we're all agreed there that if that game does go ahead on the 8th, that we would be predicting the Mavericks to win.
1: Yeah, nothing short, nothing. no no differences there for me. Not going to argue with that, Joe. Uh, I assumed you wouldn't be.
0: Cool. Yeah. So I guess we will leave it there then. Um, just before we do the sign-off, I said at the start of the episode, and I'm saying again at the end, we have a new distributor, guys, of the episode. So if you are a fan of the domestic game, please resubscribe, re-like, re-share, uh, give us a five-star review, nothing less, please. That's all from us here at The Domestic Game. Signing off, I'm Kelly Dwyer.
1: I'm Joe Kenahan. I'm Robbie Caldwell.
0: And we'll catch you all later.
1: Peace. Peace.